Hey, did you see the new Winnie the Pooh horror movie? Well, I did, so strap in because I'm coming in hot. This video is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. Go to athleticgreens.com Dan for a special offer and stay tuned after this review for more info. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle here with my review of Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey, which is a novelty horror film that was originally intended for a one night only release last week, which then got extended into a week long release. So I believe in many markets, it's still in theaters. Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey is born out of what I have to admit is a pretty admirable hustle, which is that in 2022, at the beginning of last year, the rights to the original Winnie the Pooh stories fell into the public domain, which means that their copyright expired and you don't have to buy a license or get an agreement from the author's estate in order to make a work based on those characters. Now, you can't do anything with the Disney Winnie the Pooh characters or their likenesses. Those are still under copyright, but the characters of Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin and Eeyore, Piglet, etc., those were all fair game as of the beginning of last year. Capitalizing on this, director Reese Frake Waterfield put into motion a horror film called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, which shot over 10 days last April. And in concept, it's really nothing special. It's your basic slasher film, except that the slashers are Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, or honestly, two larger looking fellas in acceptably molded Winnie the Pooh and Piglet masks, although they are intended to be the actual characters from the Hundred Acre Wood. And normally this would be one of those novelty things that maybe you discover on Netflix or streaming somewhere at two o'clock in the morning, decide to take a flyer on. But things really started to snowball once the internet got wind of this idea. People started talking about the concept and it went viral, which meant that they were able to get extra money to do additional shoots. And the movie got a release, as I mentioned, not just for one day that was then extended to multiple days from Fathom Events here in the United States, as well as distribution deals in Canada and Mexico and other countries around the world. And not only do we have this Pooh movie, but we already know that there is a sequel from the same director in the works, reportedly with five times the budget of this film, which was under $100,000, as well as an expanded universe of public domain horror films, including ones based on Bambi and Peter Pan. And listen, if this was a case where a clever writer-director saw that these rights were expiring and said, I'm going to do a Winnie the Pooh horror movie, and it turned out to be something interesting or unique or funny, or scary, then I'd say, you know what, good on you. Unfortunately, Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey sucks. If you watch this channel, you know that I don't often just crap on movies, but I found almost nothing to like in this film, and I didn't walk in with a closed mind. I walked in with a very curious mind, and the reason that I walked in at all is because we live in an IP-driven world. Intellectual property rules everything at the multiplexes. So it's not really a huge revelation that attaching a brand name like Winnie the Pooh is something that's going to raise people's interest, but that's the easy part. The hard part is actually doing something interesting with that idea and this movie has nothing interesting in its bag. The only thing of note about this movie is that the killers are supposed to be Winnie the Pooh and Piglet. Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey is a third-rate horror film at best with acting, cinematography, editing, and sound mixing that would feel amateurish in a student film. Some may say that this is because of the film's low budget, but I could point you to any number of films in the horror genre out there that have done much more with much less. This movie had an equivalent budget to horror classics like Paranormal Activity and the Blair Witch Project. It doesn't matter what your budget is. If you have a great vision for a horror film, if you know what you can do, given the constraints of your budget, you can still deliver something good. 
That is not what Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey is. The plot as it is is pretty simple. Winnie the Pooh and Piglet are angry that Christopher Robin left them to fend for themselves in the Hundred Acre Wood, so they vowed to kill anyone who crosses their paths. When a group of young women rents a cabin in the woods, they proceed to chop, grind, stab, and slash them to death one by one. That's it. That, that's just the whole movie. There's no twist or clever spin on the premise. It's the same crappy horror film that you've seen done 500 times before, except they're wearing Winnie the Pooh masks. That's the, that's the whole thing. You have to know, if you're making the Winnie the Pooh slasher movie, that a certain amount of your audience is going to go in expecting something beyond the premise or something beyond the concept. But this movie has nothing, and I don't think it even knows what it wants to be. If it's supposed to be funny, it's not funny because all of the humor is unintentional. If it's supposed to be a horror film, it's definitely not scary because it doesn't even do the jump scares effectively. So if it doesn't work at being funny, and it doesn't work at being clever, and it doesn't work at being scary, Guess what? That means the movie doesn't work. I actually thought for the first 15 minutes or so that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was in on the joke, that it was so bad because it knew that it should be bad and it was gonna have a clever twist on that. But it became abundantly clear that this movie was just plain horrible. Cheap, yes, but also lazy or maybe incompetent or honestly both. This is in my eyes, and I'm not just talking on a small scale, in the movie world, one of the most cynical uses of intellectual property in order to get people in the doors to see a movie that I've ever seen. And it's largely because this movie offers nothing of interest. And I don't think that it's all accidental. I don't think that there was an effort here to make a classic horror film or to make a classic twist on the Winnie the Pooh mythos. And if it seems like I'm angry, it's not really even that I'm angry at the people who made this film because, you know, mission accomplished. You cashed in, you've got the notoriety, you've got the fame, you're making more movies in this universe. I mean, it's not the first time this has happened at a big scale or at a small scale. No, the person I'm angriest at is me because the gimmick worked on me. I am part of the problem here because I went to see this movie. Skinamarink is a movie that came out recently. It had great buzz, great reviews. It was in my market for at least a couple of weekends. Did I find the time to go see Skinamarink? No, I did not. I should have. I wanted to, but days went by and days went by and I just didn't make the time to do it. But did I make the time to go see the Winnie the Pooh slasher movie? Yes, I did. Why? Because using the intellectual property attached to it made me curious to want to see what the movie movie was all about and I didn't know until I'd already bought my ticket that this movie has nothing up its sleeve but the trick worked and I'm angry at myself for allowing myself to be fooled. Sticking Winnie the Pooh on the title of this film got an internet buzz and additional resources for shooting and a nationwide release and a sequel and a whole universe and exposure for the filmmakers and how many horror filmmakers out there are scraping and scratching to get movies made and are making great original horror films that nobody is seeing because the market is oversaturated or they can't afford a theatrical release or they're one of 50 movies that are just sitting out there on Shudder. I guarantee you that if I put a day or two into it, I could go out there and find a horror movie that's 10 times better than this one produced on the same budget or less from filmmakers that deserve a shot based on their talent more than what I've seen based on this amateurish piece of crap. And yet, because it has Winnie the Pooh at the top of the title, they get cut to the front of the line. Honestly, if I was an independent horror director and I saw my work and the work of others getting pushed to the back of the line or at least not being recognized in favor of somebody who just had the foresight, I guess, to have Winnie the 
Who as the killer in their movie, I would be furious. More furious than even I am as the guy who paid to go see the Winnie the Pooh movie. Listen, contrary to what some people say about me, I do know how to have a good time. And I can tell when a movie is so bad it's good, or when it's meant to be so bad it's good, or when the bad is intentional in order to make a point. That's not what this movie is. It is a sheer act of incompetence with a brand name attached. The die has been cast on Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Nothing I say in this review is going to change how it's going to perform or not perform at the box office or whether these sequels are going to be made. But I will be trying to pick a little bit more wisely in the future. And who knows, maybe one of these days, somebody's going to have a great idea with one of these public domain horror movies and they go out there for 50,000 bucks and they make a really great version of what Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey could have been. But this one ain't it. Throw it in the trash where it belongs and go out there and find a really great indie horror film. So just in case you weren't sure, that is not a recommendation on Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, but it is probably in theaters near you. So if you do want to waste about an hour and a half of your time, then please feel free to check your local listings. Well, that review took a lot of energy and nutrients out of me, so I guess it's probably a good time to thank the sponsor for this review, Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. I started taking AG1 because it was hard for me to get into the routine of taking daily supplements, but breakfast is something that I do every day. So when I make my breakfast shake every day, I add in AG1, and it makes me feel like I'm covering my nutritional bases and just starting my day off right. The biggest thing it's helped me with is improved digestion and gut health, but it's also good to know that I'm giving my body so many different things that it needs. And AG1 is designed to help you live easier and better without having to do a lot. AG1 is one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day, making it easy to live your best life. And it's no chore to take either. Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, and it's delivered to me every single month, so it's been super easy to make it a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com Dan. That's athleticgreens.com Dan to check it out. And I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this video and you for watching it. It was quite the Dan stand. Stay tuned this week for more box office. Of course, Charts with Dan will be up tomorrow, as well as more reviews, awards coverage, you name it. It's all right here. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.